So we said five o'clock, right? Yeah. some reviews on YouTube and a lot of people say they have the same issues. And so <laughs> Alright, and then if y'all want to take a seat and then I can see. See what we're talking about. Came in the bay going crazy. Put peace on the hood, Mercedes. Young boys letting off 80. Leading next to a DR like 80. This ain't no corner, no Bailey. No internet clown gonna play me. Money ain't never gonna make me. I can win with a couple bucks like Brady. And she ain't baby. You cannot shame me. What they gonna pay me to shut my mouth? Ain't gotta okay me. Then they gonna save me. I'm finna What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. Hope all is well with you guys. Uh, we got a friend to the show, not necessarily a guest. This is his second appearance in the last month. Oh, yeah, last <laughs> month. Okay, I was like, I've been here like four or five times now. Four or five times. He's, he's got a home here. He's basically a co-host at this point. <laughs> but we That's only talk started, about... right? <laughs> you, Mickey. Yeah. Is, yeah. Should we talk about that story? How, like... So, for those who don't know, Shaping the Culture was birthed uh, from the conversations I would have with Yosef and another friend of ours named Mickey. Uh, we would just have fire conversations and... We should be recording these. We should be recording things. They would go for hours and hours yeah. and hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, we're back again. Uh, season five is in full effect. Uh, I know for a while, like the last three, four months, I've just kind of been putting out reaction videos on YouTube, uh, which has been fun. I'll probably continue doing that. But um, the reason why I was doing that is because I just wasn't uh, in the space or had the time to really um, give my energy and effort into recording podcast episodes, but praise God, we're back on schedule and, uh, we're back so to recording. You didn't answer the question when I asked you. So I'm going to ask you live on YouTube and here, how do you differentiate the seasons? How do you, how are we on <laughs> season five already? Is it by year, summer? Yeah. So it, it's essentially not, yeah, by year, by year, like every year I put out maybe, anywhere between 10 to 15 episodes. Mm -hmm. So I go really strong for a season. So season four went from fall of 2020 into I think February or March of 2021. For sure. And so my goal was to come back in October, um, but then life happened for me in October. And so I was on a hiatus from October until February. So you've been, you've been doing this for five years now? Going on to April 2017 is when I started. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're here. And for those who are new to the YouTube channel, you probably don't know that I've been around for so long. And that's because I didn't make YouTube videos. I was just strictly focused on Podcast. podcasting. And so, but wanted to enter into the YouTube space because there's much content on there and we want to contribute to the conversations that are happening on YouTube. And one of the ways we want to contribute is through conversation and we've got a very uh, controversial conversation ahead of us. <laughs> it's something that we talk about a lot, though. Just it is. Anytime something controversial comes up, we're immediately texting each other, sending notifications on Instagram, yeah. breaking it down. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to yeah. get through this. Yeah. And for those who don't know, uh, Yosef is a pastor. Um, he pastors at Parazine Church. And I also pastor at Parazine Church. We both uh, co-pastor 
uh, at a local context here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Shout out. And so this topic is near and dear to our heart. And the reason why it is near and dear to our heart is because um, we're pastors and we we know that starting strong doesn't mean you'll finish strong. Mm. <laughs> and so uh, we want to learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, we want to learn from uh, culture at hand. I think there's a lot of good examples and uh, it's just it's just good to talk about. And so we wanted to really tackle this idea of celebrity pastor, celebrity culture and how detrimental it's been. And I think the way we're going to start off this conversation is by talking about what inspired this podcast episode. And that was the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Oh, man. So when that when that podcast dropped, <laughs> I texted him immediately. I was like, bro, you got to check the series out. Is going down. It was uh, really well done too. Like well if done. you haven't checked it out, like <laughs> I, I recommend you really go through it because um, they yeah. really like told the story of like, yeah, I mean literally the rise and fall of Mars Hill, right? But <laughs> how they got started, you know, the leadership, the mindset at each stage in yeah. the in the progression, and so it was a really interesting podcast. And the reason why I, I it was so personal for me and why I was so it wasn't just the production level being done. Ex- it wasn't just the production being excellent, but there was a time, there was a season where we drank from that Kool-Aid. Uh, the Mars Hill? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, was, we I was never a huge fan of Mark yeah, Driscoll. Yeah, yeah, look at him now. Like, <laughs> no, I, for, I didn't even real. know about Mark Driscoll uh, until after. <laughs> yeah, he was always like an angry guy to me. I was like, I, I don't get the appeal of like why people love him. But I remember there was a season where it was just Mark Driscoll and Matt Chandler that I was consuming. Yeah. More, more Matt Chandler. I wasn't too much of a fan of Mark Driscoll. Uh, but I definitely tuned in and watched a lot of his content, a lot of his messages. But just peeling back the layers of what went into the culture of Mars Hill um, in a lot of ways uh, disturbed my spirit. And the particular episode that I'm referring to that really set off this whole podcast episode was, I think it was later on in the podcast where he was talking about, they were talking about how there came a point in Mark Driscoll's ministry where his sole focus, his sole purpose was being the biggest church in America. Mm. Like his aim um, in existing, his aim in sermon prep, his aim in uh, why people gave, his aim in why he wanted people to sacrifice and give their gifts and their time, uh, the reason why he was overworking his staff is because he wanted to be a church that had 50,000 members. And, um, and that would have been like the biggest church in America at that point, right? At that point, yeah. yeah. And so that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, how do you get to a place where, and the notorious line, right, where they're like, yo, you should get some <laughs> le- uh, leaders in your life. You should get some mentors. Some accountability. Some accountability. And they suggest that John Piper, they're like, you should let old boy John Piper help, help you out. Because he, he was a young 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 pastor at that he point was. so it's like get some older people who people who've done this for a while yeah like, you know just to walk you through because yeah. like i think the people that were even suggesting that were seeing some red flags right and they were like you know what i mean like get some mentorship get yeah. get some older folks around you yeah and yeah he, and they suggested john piper like get get somebody like john piper to disciple you what do you say to that <laughs> <laughs> my man said what can john piper teach me my church is bigger than his like what like that was the response and so according what, to his philosophy jesus couldn't teach him anything either <laughs> jesus only had 12 Dang, that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> but like let's talk about that i feel like in american christianity the what we equate success to 
is numbers. Mm. If I have the biggest, that means I am successful. Um, I think of the, the, the book of <clears throat> Colossians. The book of Colossians is one of the most gospel-centered, gospel-dense books in the New Testament. And that church is written, or that, sorry, that book, that letter is written to a home church. Mm. They don't, I, I don't think they have more than 20, 30 people at this church. Oh. And Paul labors in writing one of the most gospel-centered books to not a, not a mega church, but a small church. And that's something that's like, just this week blew my mind. Like the Christianity was birthed into a culture that like, I don't know why, like for some reason I'm thinking there was like already large churches at the get go. Like this is like, these are small groups of people in pockets of like huge cities. So when Paul is speaking to like the Romans, you know what I mean? Like he's not talking about the Roman empire and the, the the leaders and the philosophers and like the highly people. It's like, Yo, it's probably like maybe fifty yeah. to a hundred to like you know what I mean like yeah. it it started from very small means right right so yeah, grassroots yeah 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 just even like I don't know just picturing like when Paul is writing to these people they're saturated not mm. in Christian culture mm. it's mm. completely contrary culture yeah. and like I don't know, we, we were gonna go through this in the, yes. the Sunday but um man. <laughs> The, the context that they're coming from, the, the lives that they're under, it's like, you know, you guys are, are a severe minority right. and you have to be different, live right. differently. Right. That's so good. Let me, let me say this. In the, in the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, they did a phenomenal job breaking down the history of how we see megachurches. Mm. What, what the first megachurch was, when it started, why it got started, and then it just kind of follows to Mark Driscoll at that point or what have you. And we can get into the details of that. But one thing I wanted to highlight, maybe we can start this conversation this way, mm-hmm. is how manufactured, I'm going to say this, <laughs> how manufactured the success of the American church is. Um, I was in L.A. not too long ago, and I grabbed brunch with Joe Solomon, and we were talking about church, we were talking about Christianity, we were talking about the faith, and, you know, Perizim came into the conversation, the church that I'm a part of, and just the the highs, the lows of what it looks like to be a church plant, what takes our focus, what takes our time uh, being a church plant. And and Joe said this to me, and I never forgot, and I actually hit you up talking about yeah, this. It was, it was a sad reality. <laughs> what, what are you telling what I say to you? Like, <laughs> Bro, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I work overnight, so we're having this conversation like 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, I'm on my break, and he's just like, bro, like, I don't think Parazim is going to blow up the way we always kind of envisioned it to blow up. And I was like, why, why you got to sound so pessimistic? Like, why, why wouldn't it? Like, that's like our vision, our heart, like, and not necessarily just blowing up for the sake of like numbers, but yeah. really like just having an impact, yeah. uh, you know, doing, making a difference in the Twin Cities yeah. and just abroad as well. Like that was the vision from youth group days. And so I think yeah. why this conversation is so pertinent for us is like, man, we always dreamed yeah. of having those ministries as well, like yeah, making yeah. having that kind of impact. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he just calls me up and he's like, yeah, I don't think Parazine's going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> or like, we, we ain't going to blow up. And I'm like, bro, like, why? Why would you say that? Why would you say yeah. this? Like, <laughs> and you started breaking down, like, bro, like, there's so many elements that go into it. Like, you know, we think a lot of these things are a move of God, but it's mm-hmm. really man-made like Man. philosophies and like yeah. you know programs that you got to do this and do this and invite this many people out and yeah yeah so like in that conversation with joe he was just telling me he was breaking it down like 
a lot of these pastors make for better CEOs and businessmen and entrepreneurs than they do pastors. Um, a lot of what you see nowadays is pastors that no, don't necessarily have a shepherd's heart, but have a heart of uh, 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 being a CEO. They know how to run a business. They know how to raise leaders. They know how to create systems. They know how to create, uh, uh, yeah, like all the different things that make a business successful. But they're not really guiding, loving, serving, walking with the people of God. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he was encouraging me. He was like, bro, if, if your church doesn't get as big, as, like, don't be discouraged. There's nothing wrong with you. There's a lot of faithful men of God, faithful women of God who are laboring and serving the church. They'll never see uh, the kind of success that Mars Hill saw. And that's not because you're not faithful. That's not because it's not because you're not successful. It's because it's a game mm-hmm. in America. Like they're playing a different game out here. <laughs> and that's what we learned too with Marcel. Like the reason why they blew up the way they did is because they were playing a different game. And something you and I talked about is I don't know. And here, I don't, I don't want you guys to misunderstand us. I don't think there's anything wrong with a big church. We need big churches. And in fact, one of the things we want to touch on is the difference between having fame and being influential, mm. the difference between being influential and being a celebrity, because there's a distinction there. Yeah. But one thing we kind of want to attack on tackle is the manufacturing of what's happening in these churches yeah. and how that has set us up for failure. And so what, what are some of the things that you have seen in Christian culture, in Christ, Christian American culture that is manufactured, that is hurting us and robbing us of eternal life? If uh, like w- one thought that I was just thinking through is like if if their mentality is like growth and having like the large church, yeah, what they don't do is care about the health of the church. Mm. They're creating hormones, right? Like <sighs> what? Like so, their agenda behind worship is isn't are people encountering the presence of God and worshiping the Lord Almighty? It's are people getting hyped? Are are people going to see this whether they're Christian or not and be like, wow, like. That was an amazing concert. That was yeah. amazing sound, amazing quality, excellent, like, you know, worship leaders. Um, when you talk about sermons, like, what are they feeding people? Are they feeding them a balanced diet? Right. Or is it, mm-hmm. man, blessings and prosperity and, you know, relationships for the sake of relationships? And just, like, you know, what, what like, I, I, it's hard for me to see a difference between, like, these modern-day pastors and, like, self-help speakers, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's what gets people into the door. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, you know, controversial, like, mm-hmm. yo, like, sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? Like, and we, even, like, the whole Mike Todd, like, how he blew up was, like, relate his relationship series, yeah. right? Like, yeah. all these single people, people that were desiring relationships. Like, man, like, uh, the church is finally speaking on this. And, you know, he's a young, like, handsome black man. And he's charismatic. And he he's wild with his illustrations. Right. And, like, that was just a pull and a magnet for yeah. so many people because... Uh, I, I feel like this generation has itching ears and they, they want to hear what they want to hear. You know what I mean? And so Uh-oh. they don't take too well to sound doctrine. <laughs> we, we, we name dropping out here. <laughs> like, that's just good. This is a great segue. I think we can talk about Mike Todd here in a second. Um, I think what you're getting at is what we're looking for in a church. Like, what I heard is what we're looking for from a pastor is charisma it's not character Mm. what we're looking for from a pastor 
is not necessarily a shepherd's heart, but an ability to attract masses. Remember that job listing you saw for a pastor? <laughs> no, Aaron sent that to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was that. a joke. Yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. You want to tell him what you saw? <laughs> well, we like, saw, actually, yeah. yeah. It was a church in Colorado. I remember, like, even, like, the, the place. Yeah. And they were like, yo, we, um, we need a new pastor. And I, I mean, that wasn't, like, a really big deal. Yeah. But they were just like, the requirements and the qualifications that they were looking for wasn't First Timothy 3, 4, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was, man, we want a pastor that sounds just like Stephen Furtick, mm. you know, and we want, we want a pastor that is going to be able to pull people, you know, give funny illustrations, uh, is, is relatable and uh, bringing a modern touch to the church. And even they were even breaking down like how the salary would work. And so they were like, you know, the church building is like pretty much paid off, yeah. but whatever we collect from the tithe that like, you can take, you know, for, as your own personal income. And so there wasn't like a set salary. It's like, yo, if you have the charisma and it's the personality, yeah, it's like whatever the church is taking in, yeah, yeah. you you get you get all of that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. so, um, yeah, Man. toxic, toxic, and and so yeah. Let, let's just let's just jump into. That. I want to preface all of this by saying, <laughs> like, for those who know shaping the culture, I want to talk about people as if they're in the room. Um, I don't want to say anything that I would never say to them in front of them. I actually think I have a soft space for someone like Mike Todd, and maybe we can get into why. Um, but, you know, I, I've i been blessed by a lot of what Mike Todd has to say. There's some things that I could do without. And I don't know the man. We don't know the man. This is not to dunk on him. Um, this is just an example of a bigger problem that we see. Mm. Um, so this is not like us trying to rip him apart. I'm actually for him. I actually wanted him on my podcast for a while. Um, so, I mean, if he's down, I still would love to interview um, <laughs> Pastor Mike Todd for real. Uh, so this is not in any way trying to like come at him in any way, shape or form. But I think he is a product of the system that's hurting us and robbing us of eternal life. And in, in one way, too, like I, I feel like I have a sympathy for him because I feel like he was kind of thrown onto the stage for this. And this attention yeah, as well. Yeah. And, and I think the the problem is you you keep them how you got them, right? Mm. And so you, you're you getting this attention, you're getting like this pull, your illustrations are what's like drawing people to the church, hot takes, hot topics. And so, man, like at a certain point, you gotta <coughs> just keep raising the bar, keep doing crazy things. And like, yo, I don't know, like I remember him talking about like when his sermons before he blew up, he would get like 300, maybe 400 views on a sermon and it would discourage him. But it, he didn't make, think much of it. He was just thinking about the local church. And um, once that, like, twi tweet of a video of yeah, him yeah, talking yeah. Like, went viral, like, all of his sermons became, like, yeah. over 100,000 views, like, 500,000 views. Yeah. And then, you know, at a certain point, like, and this is what always scares me. And I, we always talk about this as well. Like, yeah. I, I always believe every single one of these pastors, like, started with, like, the most genuine yeah. like heart like the most genuineness of motives like really like man god called me to this i want to be faithful i want to pastor and even hearing mark driscoll talking about ministry like i agreed with his a lot of his philosophies like when they were sh playing clips when he was like younger yeah. starting out like i agreed a lot with his like view of church leadership 
how it's supposed to be done. He didn't even believe in a one man leadership. Right, right. Like he right. was like this plurality this, of yeah, elders, plurality of leaders, yeah. elders in the church. Yeah. Like <coughs> this isn't a one man show. It's not built on a single person. It's not built on a single personality. He believed all these things sincerely, <coughs> but at a certain point, like when you get caught up into this like mm. Hollywood philosophy of like, man, you're the star and it's centered around you, and you start taking the throne where Jesus is supposed to be. Mm then you start doing some foolish thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, like, this analogy I always think of, like, man, when when you're underneath the light, you shine properly. Right. But when you try to be above it, it distorts everything. That's you got fire. some sound effects in the game, <laughs> <man>? <laughs> DJ Bomb, uh, Clues Bomb one time. <laughs> Clues Bomb? DJ, uh, you don't know about the Breakfast Club. <laughs> These uncultured friends and family. <laughs> sounded like you were saying Blues Clues, <laughs> Clues ball? <laughs> DJ Clues bomb. Bomb. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so good. And I and I think that, that that's you know, and here's the thing. I still believe that there are still some mega church pastors that are genuine, but you can be genuine and wrong all at the same time. You know what I mean? Like and so but what what we're trying to get at is this idea that um and that's a temptation, bro. Like the itching ears. I'll give you an example. At our community, no shots taken. In January, we had a sermon series on prayer, and there was not much traction on that sermon series, yeah. whether it be online, we had and prayer you events. Know, do you remember the conversation we had before that? Because like, we would have like prayer events, yeah, and like not even the whole leadership team would be showing up. Yeah, yeah. There was like three, four people, yeah. and we were like, yo, like I don't feel like Perizim. You know, well, that's one of our like uh, lifelines, right? Like what? Prayer is our lifeline. Yeah, our prayer is our lifeline. It's yeah. our core values. So we were like, okay, how do we like you inject this into the life of the church. So we're having like a whole month series on prayer. We're yeah. praying and fasting 21 days. Yeah. I don't, people still aren't really showing up, yeah. but what happens in February? In February, we talking about sex. We talking about relationships, <laughs> bro. The views went up. <laughs> the anticipation went up. People been, that have never been to the church are like, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to come through. <laughs> like, do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and it's not to say that we shouldn't talk about sex, that Mike Todd shouldn't talk about relationships. I think like discipleship includes all of these topics, mm. but the temptation is, oh, we know what works. Yeah. We know what will get traction. We know what will get people to come. And like sometimes the temptation as pastors, because we want to perceive to be successful, is to do things that are ne not necessarily wrong, but we put an emphasis on things that we shouldn't put an emphasis on. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it wrong. And people aren't getting a balanced diet. They're getting a balance. They're not getting a balanced diet. Exactly. Living off these Skittles. You know? <laughs> They're different colors, but it's the same substance. It's the same substance. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, these bars, bro. All these analogies. <laughs> yeah. You want some. <laughs> uh, I'm preaching the Sunday, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You've been focused. I'm steady. wasting it all. <laughs> All the sermon points is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Point one and two are just already. <laughs> um, but what I, <laughs> that's hilarious. But like in, in that, in that light, like we talked about excellence and we talked about what it looks like to be faithful. Mm. And, you know, we started off this episode talking about faithfulness sometimes doesn't look like American success. Um, but, you know, we have in our culture created, cause I don't want to just put this on the pastors. Um, I know mm. there's much to be said about that, but I think what feeds this is the culture um, in American Christianity, the culture. And this is what they're getting at in the whole podcast with Mars Hill, the rise and fall of Mars Hills. We have a people that want 
this. Yeah. Like we have mistaken lights for the presence of God. We have mistaken uh, a, 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 a live rock band for the presence of God. Um, some, you ever been in a worship service and the AC is going and you feel this shiver down your side? It's like, <laughs> oh, is that God? Like, what's going on? But like the ambiance, the fans, the and and I wonder sometimes, and this is something I've been working through. If we've even understood our understanding of excellence, because something I hear often is when people are shop hopping or church hopping and people come to Parazim church hopping. Like there's some people that come constantly looking for new church. There's nothing wrong for that. But when you like get to the bottom of things, people are like, yeah, I just want worship to sound like this. I want the teaching to sound like that. I want the children ministry to look like this. I want diversity. I want X amount of members. This is all that, you know. And it's like we we treat church like Build-A-Bear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like where we have like the best of both worlds and we hide under the guise of excellence. Yeah. Like the like we we try to biblically approve what we're asking of by saying this is excellent and God requires us to be excellent. But we have to understand excellence isn't just what you're, how well you're doing something. It's how well you're doing something with what you have. Mm. And there are small churches who might not have the lights, that might not have the band, that might not have the best children ministry. But in God's eyes, they are faithful and excellent because they're doing everything they can with what they have. And I feel like when we understand what excellence is, we have more grace and we have more pull towards churches that might not look like it's ideal because what ends up happening is we're not, and you'll, you'll touch on this cause you brought this up in, in, the, in the conversation we had prior when we want churches or when we want communities that have everything we want, it ultimately robs us of the opportunity to participate in what God is mm -hmm. doing. And what it does is instead of being a contributor, we become a consumer. Uh. What that ends up doing is instead of signing up in ministry, signing up in kingdom work, we become spectators. Yeah. We become, church has become a source of entertainment. Like where we come and we're like, pastor, tell me some funny jokes again. Yeah. Hey, sing these songs in this key. With this band, bring this rapper out. Bring this singer <laughs> out. Hey, why aren't the lights doing this? Hey, why doesn't the band sound like that? And and nothing wrong with all of these things. Nothing but wrong. Like the jokes that you're telling is it pointing to Christ? You know what I mean? Like, is it uh, your the the worship and the ambience that you're creating? Is it creating an atmosphere for people to connect with God? Yes. Or is it really just trying to manufacture? Yeah. What only God can provide. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because here's the thing, like, and and I don't want us to sound like hypocrites because. If you come to Parazim, you're going to see the lights. <laughs> you <come> to <laughs> hey, we got the way budget. our budget works. You, know what I mean? like, <laughs> you can give Todd at ParazimSP.com. Uh, Make sure it's not shaping the culture. <laughs> um, but the way, even the way we envision things, like we, we're about to roll out Glory Conference. You know, when we look at the quality of, of messages that we try to put out, the quality of worship that we try to produce, like everything we're doing is, so we're not, we're not demonizing these things. Mm. We're saying when we're only looking for those things, we're looking to be entertained. That the gospel is more than your light show. That The gospel is more than just good teaching. I, I saw a Christian rapper. I can't, for, I forget who he is, but he was talking about this and he's like, we just live in an era where we're so fascinated with good teaching, good teaching, good teaching. But like, He's like, I'd rather go to a church that doesn't have the best teaching, but they're faithful and they teach me how to be a good husband mm. and they teach me how to steward my finances and they teach me how to take care of my body 
and they teach me how to love my neighbor and they teach me how to serve my community. He's like, a lot of the times, like even us wanting to have good teaching, even if it's sound is keeping us in a place that's complacent. Like it's, <laughs> we're sitting here and, and I, and I remember this when I was in college, bro, I don't know how many messages I digested, bro. I was watching like three, four, five sermons a week. You were, that was the first time you got introduced to reform teaching at all. Yeah, like. we're just eating that <laughs> up. But what's crazy is it didn't make me better with my finances. Mm. It didn't help me in my dating life. It didn't change the way I engage with my family. It didn't help me become a contributor to kingdom work. But I have all this knowledge now. And so even like on the reform side, we can get comfortable where we judge a church based on its teaching, but we're not being discipled to obey that teaching. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. And so, yeah, I feel like American, it's manufactured. A lot of this stuff, like we're trying to, it's a show, even if it's sound teaching, it's not producing a type of people that will take what has been given to ultimately impact the way they live their lives at home, at work, at school, in their communities, so on and so forth. And, and I think a, a great way of like tying everything that you just kind of said together is like, I feel like celebrity pastors, their focus is trying to get people in the door. Yeah. And faithful pastors, Mm. Their role is trying to get people out the door. Mm. We, we're studying um, <laughs> Ephesians, <laughs> Ephesians uh, chapter four this week, right? Yeah. And um, we, we were going through like, you know, Paul talks about like how when Christ rose, he gave gifts to the church. Yeah. And he talks about like, man, to the church, he gave pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists, and apostles. Did I say apostles? Yeah, yeah the fivefold ministry, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And like he gave that to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But a lot of times, mm. it's Mike Todd who's doing the ministry. It's Matt Chandler who's doing the ministry. It's John Piper who's doing the ministry. It's John MacArthur who's doing the ministry. And I become a part of their ministry mm. rather than going to a church, yeah. being a p like part of the local body. Yeah. Like we love to be part of like the global body, the global church. Like you see EFAM for Elevation <laughs> Church, like Transformation Nation, all yeah. these like, they're literally trying to like make this like synthetic body, yeah. this universal body, their personal body. And they weren't meant to be the head of the universal body. Right. They were meant to be the head of the local body That's submitted so to the universal leader of yeah. the church, which yeah. is Christ. Yeah. And so like the emphasis yeah. of a faithful pastor isn't, yo, come in. We need to get the finances right so that we can build up this giant projection and giant church. It's man, let me get people into the church, yeah. equip them and then send them out to be light in their generation. <laughs> I love what you said there. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having influence outside of your local community. I don't think there's anything wrong with EFAM, Transformation Nation. Um, I think we should make much of technology. I think the problem is when you try to assume that because you have others tuning in that you are now their shepherd. Mm. It's when the Christian assumes that because I logged on to uh, Bedside Baptist. <laughs> Bedside Baptist. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, uh, I get it. <laughs> because I logged on to YouTube and I watched a message by whoever that they automatically now are my, is my pastor. That's not your pastor, fam. They don't, they don't know you. They don't know you. They don't. They can't call you out. They can't rebuke you. They can't encourage you. And I they think that's why people love them. Yes. Like, I don't need accountability. I don't want like people checking in on me. 
I was reading a, an article today, actually. It was funny, like, um, like I forgot the, the evangelist, but um, th- it was saying, like, 95% of people who, like, were con- being converted by these by this evangelist, like, this, this evangelist was just kind of passing through the town, right? Yeah. And so he partnered with the local churches. Right. And so all these people that signed up for, like, man, like, I, I received Jesus into my heart. Yeah. I want to get plugged into the church. Yeah. I want to get into a Bible study. Yeah. Like they would give all of that information to the local church, yeah. and so the, the evangelist moved on, and now it was the local church's responsibility mm-hmm. to find these people, connect with them, yeah. and like the pastors would do pastoral care, like they would go to their house, like, hey, yeah. give them a call, hey, you you signed up, you you gave a confession of Christ, yeah. do you want to get plugged in? Nobody wow. was getting plugged into the local church. They would go to the crusade, wow. make a, a conversion of like, man, I accept yeah. Jesus into my heart. Would not want the accountability. Would not want to be connected into a small group. Yeah. It was crazy to me that like, yo, what you signed up for, you know, online or at this crusade yeah. or this just this giant conference. Yeah. That's that's the emotion. You're yeah. like you're riding off of the emotion. Yeah. And when it comes to like real commitment, right. like people walk away. Yeah. Like, but like the funny thing is like Jesus was so countercultural to this this way of message. Like Jesus was like, yo, before you come to me. Mm-hmm. Count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. Like, be prepared to Birds know what you're going to... Yeah. Be prepared right? to know what you're going to die for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but a lot of people are, like, getting... I feel, like, tricked into mm. giving their life to Christ because of, like, wow. a sens- sensationalization wow. of of the message, wow. a sensationalization of... <laughs> I can't, I'm not even saying it right, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. of the message, of yeah. the worship, of the, of the hype, but then they go back home yeah. and they have to think about... Yeah. My family, my friends, the cost that they have to make, and they're like, no, this ain't worth it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? That reminds me of an analogy. It's like, uh, you know, actually, I remember giving this analogy at Christ Connect in Vegas, but, you know, it's like you go to your favorite shopping mall, you go to your favorite store, pick out a jacket, put it on. You like the way it looks. Mm. It fits right, it looks good. Uh, you start envisioning what your life with this jacket will look like. Uh, you start thinking about all the events that you will attend with this jacket. Yeah. You start, you know, go taking pictures like, oh, this will look good with these shoes. This will look good with that hat. And and then you pull out the price tag and you're like, oh, snap. I thought this was on discount. I thought this is above my budget. <laughs> like I can't afford this jacket. So what do you do? You take off the jacket because you saw the cost and you put it back on the rack. Now, if you're smart like me, what you will do is you will wait until that jacket goes back on or until it goes on clearance. Mm. So you, you keep coming back weekly. Is it on clearance? Is it discounted? Has the price gone down? Is Black Friday coming is up? Is Black Friday coming up? And then you realize, oh, it's marked down 20%, marked down 30%. Fabulous. This fits my budget. Let me go. Take this jacket. And then you and realize now. it's out of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, it's like this ain't it anymore. Um, but the reason why I share that story is because I feel like that's how a lot of people operate in Christianity. They love the idea of Jesus. Mm. They love the idea of what Jesus can do for them. They love the idea of what Jesus can do for their marriage, what Jesus can do for their finances, what Jesus can do for their future. They love the idea of heaven. I mean, I mean hell message. or heaven. Yeah, 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 it's like, what do I, which one? Heaven sounds a lot better than <laughs> hell, right? Uh, they love this idea of being forgiven. They love this idea of being loved. They love that's this good. idea of being made in the image of God, having purpose. But then they pull out the price tag and they see what it looks like, what it costs to follow Jesus. And a lot of us go, mm, 
that's too expensive. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is we wait for Christianity to go on sale to pick it back up. <laughs> but the reality of the matter is Christianity will never go on sale. There will never be a clearance rack for the things of God. Mm. Nothing that you want for nothing in the kingdom of God will ever, ever go on uh, on on uh, Black Friday sale, right? And so, what we've got to understand there's, and no, there's no discount on death. There's no, <laughs> there is no discount on death. And it requires I, all of you. <laughs> and I feel like when you continue to create a culture that is filled with entertaining people, mm. when you create a culture that's filled with letting people just come and be a part. I love what you said, bro. That was so deep. Celebrity pastors try to get people in the door. Faithful, Faithful pastors try to get people out the door. Like they want this to go out there. Mm. And it's not to, and I'm not, we're not saying that celebrity pastors don't want people to live a life that is honoring to God outside the four corners of their church, but like their culture, the way they set things up, the way they do things, it's, it's just enough to get people a quick hit and then they go on doing what they want to do. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that part of the problem with celebrity pastors is they have a platform. People, because they're coming in not to die, not to pick up uh, the mantle, not to take on the call. They're not coming in. Like, I think I've said this before, but a lot of us, we treat Sunday service like the Super Bowl when Sunday service is supposed to be the locker room. Mm. Sunday service is where you have time. You know what I'm saying? Like this ain't the show. This ain't the, this ain't the main event. Like we're just here to be equipped so we can go out and be the people of God. Right. Because the church isn't ultimately a location. We are the church. We are wherever the church is, wherever you are. And I feel like the problem is in a lot of ways, when you have a culture that doesn't help people take on the call that God has given them, and you have a people that's okay with being entertained, you get celebrity pastors who don't have to live up to the standard. Mm. The standard in Christian culture, let me say it, the standard in American Christian culture is not faithfulness. The standard in American Christianity culture is charisma. And you and I were talking about this. When you look at 1 Timothy, mm. when you look at Titus, <laughs> when you look at the qualifications for an elder, when you look at the qualifications for a pastor, there is only one gifting required it's not creativity it's not leadership it's not innovation it's it's the gift of teaching every other requirement that's listed out for us for a qualification has to do with the character of the uh, of the pastor husband to one wife not be given over to drunkenness must be hospitable doesn't love money doesn't love money must not be a new convert Mm. must have good reputation with outsiders it doesn't say you've got to have charisma it doesn't say you've got to be handsome it doesn't say you've got to have fashion it doesn't say you have to be uh, influential on instagram and twitter but in christian culture the qualifications for a pastor is not necessarily its character it's who's he affiliated with how many conferences does he speak at? What's his network? What's his network? How funny is he? Is he handsome? Um, is he marketable? Is, is he, he on preachers of sneakers? Is he on preachers of sneakers? <laughs> can we be assured that if he comes, we can pack out the church? Mm. Like, bro, I, I know the game. We we plan conferences all the time, especially when you're selling tickets for conferences. We know how this goes. We want people that we know will sell out. Yeah. <laughs> we know we know people. We we want people. We know that will bring an audience in you know what i'm saying 
No, nobody is bringing in that faithful local pastor that pastors 50 people who isn't as charismatic, who isn't as easy to listen to, but sure is faithful to the text and faithful to his people. That's not who, like, Passion Conference isn't bringing on, <laughs> isn't bringing on guest speakers from Parazim. <laughs> One day. <laughs> like, <laughs> Passion Conference isn't bringing on pastors that are unknown, right? Because no. they can't sell tickets that way. And I feel like, and we can talk about this, this is just the the consumeristic society that we live, it's bled into Christian culture and we are consumers. And so tickle my ears, entertain me leader, entertain me pastor. Um, I want what's going to make me feel good. And I don't want anything that's going to actually help me transform my everyday living. Now, this is an oversimplification of the problem. I'm not saying these big churches, these big conferences don't actually help people grow and love God better, but I'm saying like we got to take a step back and look at the culture at large and the results that we're yielding and the reputation that the church is having yeah. in mainstream uh, culture. Uh, yeah, the church is looking bad right now. Bad, bro. dog. Like bad every single week. It, I don't know. You're the one who like mostly like keeps me in the loop on these things. My goodness, hey, bro. This person did this. <laughs> this happened here. I'm like this person walked away from the faith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, like it's so discouraging. Yeah. It's so um, hard to hear about. Like yeah. the, I mean, we talked about Ravi Zacharias and uh, and Carl Lentz last time, and like I feel like there's been like ten other people after them. <laughs> Seriously, you know I mean? um, and it's like man, like this uh, this culture, this, this you know, and it's not even them. Like I think it's we're feeding them, and we're we as a as we're a church to are this. Yeah. we're creating these monsters. Yeah, mm-hmm. bro, we will like everything when you when you listen to the the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Every single person that came on to talk about their experience at Marcel will tell you, I knew something was off. I didn't feel right about this. But they'll justify it by saying, He was the visionary. And God was working. God was doing oh, good. Yeah, like yeah. they justify it by all the good that the ministry the numbers, was doing. Oh, yeah. we're growing. We're growing. Yeah. So therefore, God is okay with yeah. this. Again, we equate success incorrectly. The way God sees success is not the way we ought to see success. And so, and this is what you wanted to touch on a little bit too with the John Grays and stuff like that. Like we've gotten to a place in Christian culture where (laughs) we know like this person has scandal after scandal after scandal and yet we still go to their churches and yet we still consume their content and yet we continue to buy their books. Like I don't understand how, like this isn't even in the dark. This is out there and we're okay with it. So last I heard, like you you guys, you and Yoni were filling me in. Um, So this this dude, John Gray, he's now cheated on his wife three times. Something like that, yeah. And these these aren't just rumors. Like these are confirmed. He's gone up and apologized. And now once throughout the three different women that he's had this uh, relationship with, has he stepped down from the ministry? And what blew me away was like, yo, I want to stand outside of the church and just ask people, like, interview people, yeah, yeah. like, what is, what is going on in your mind that you're like, mm. supporting or going to this church? Like, right. what do you feel like you're getting that you're like, no, this is where I need to be. Right. Like, and what is their mindset and their mentality? Right. Are they literally just people like you know, like they treat like these pastors like political leaders? Yeah. Like, yo, he's part of this political party, and so therefore. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm going to support Trump regardless of whatever he does and right. justify every single thing. Right, right. Or, you know, Biden or Hillary or whatever. Bro, Is that their mentality? I, bro, I, don't, I really we, don't understand. Our allegiance lies in... In, in our leader over God. Mm. Like our allegiance is to a political party before God. Our allegiance is to a doctrine over the gospel, even if the doctrine is wrong. <laughs> like, or it's our allegiance is to a denomination. Our allegiance is to, like, it's 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 not okay, bro. Like, we, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is. Maybe it's this idea of grace. We can talk about that too. Yeah. Because like grace is not the excuse to sin. Like, a lot of us think that, oh, because God's grace is prevalent, because God's grace is made available, that for whatever reason, no accountability should yeah. be taking place. And it's like grace is like, yo, John Gray, you did this and we're going to like we're going to set you down. Yeah, we're, we're going to get you therapy. Yeah. We're, we're going to get you to work on your marriage. Right. Like <laughs> grace isn't. Let me let this guy keep abusing right, me. Right, you know, right, it's like right. the, the church is the bride of Christ. Right. And, you know, like like a foolish woman who is getting abused, she's like, oh, I just got to keep giving him more right. grace. If he's not repentant, if he's not showing change, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yo, grace is not what you need to give him. Right, right, it's, right. It's discipline. It's discipline, dog. And discipline is an extension of grace. Exactly. Like, God disciplines those who he loves, right? He chastises those he loves. That's Hebrews, bro. Like, <laughs> these are a people of God yeah. who are suffering. The Bible doesn't say why but then i think it's like hebrews 5 what was it hebrews 3 4 something like that where he's <laughs> five six seven eight nine ten, <laughs> ten. <laughs> he talks about like yo what good father doesn't discipline his son that he loves you know yeah. in in the same way what good heavenly father wouldn't discipline those that are his yeah and that's, that's how you know that you are a legitimate child of God. You are a legitimate child of God. Because here is something I don't think American Christianity understands. Mm -hmm. The goal of the gospel isn't just to know God, but in knowing God, transform our lives. Mm -hmm. Like it, the gospel, you know, because we have these seeker-friendly churches that say, come as you are. <laughs> that's an incomplete message. Yeah. It's come as you are, but you got to leave different. It's come as you are, but you're never the same. You it, know what I mean? It, it's, it's funny nowadays, like, to tell people they need to change is offensive. Yeah. You yeah. know what's funny? As I was saying that, I was like, and I, I don't know who I'm offending. Like, I was <laughs> like, come as you are, but you leave change. I was like, I wonder if people are going to take that clip and be like, this is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you just mentioned yeah, that. I, yeah. I mean, uh, I was, like, seeing, like, even Jordan Peterson, like, you mm. know, it's like. Uh-oh, you dropped Jordan Peterson? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, again, I don't endorse everything that he does, but I think he's got a lot of quality <laughs> stuff that he's got to input. But yeah. anyways, like, this whole thing of, like, man, to tell a 17-year-old, you don't need to change. You're good the way you are. Mm. It's not loving because mm. there's so much more potential. The loving thing to do is like, no, you are more than your sexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are more than your sin. You are more than your past. You are more than your mistakes. But the culture right now is I want to be identified with everything that makes me currently who I am. Yeah. And I don't want to change. Yeah. We Again, you, we were going through Ephesians 4. You brought up like, you know, the fivefold ministry. Leaders are there to equip uh, the. And then you continue reading. And Paul says, hey, you can't continue thinking uh, with, uh, you can't continue this futile mindset. You've been saved. And so he's addressing sin, and he's just like, yo, this is not who you are anymore. Yeah. Remember what was taught to you. Take off the old. Put on the new. Mm -hmm. Right? Like he calls them to identity. And what I love about that yeah. is. You were saying this during the Bible study yesterday. Yeah, what I love about that is like 
the way Paul encourages the, the saints in Ephesians is by saying, dog, like, why are you doing this? This is not who you are anymore. Didn't God save you from this? Right. Didn't God deliver you? Remember what was taught to you? Remember what you were delivered out of? And so I think like, we, we've got to remember that we now have a new identity in Christ, mm. that we are now sons and daughters, right? That we are co-heirs of Christ, that we now um, are the God's beloved, that we belong to him. We've got a new identity. We've got a new name, that we've been clothed in righteousness, right? Yeah. That we have been taken out of the darkness and brought into the marvelous light. And we've got to remember when we're being challenged to change, it's not a threat on our identity. It is a call to our identity. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When God uh, tells us that the word of God is profitable for rebuking, teaching, training, right? Like the, the word of God should be offensive, but is offensive because it's calling you to who you actually are. You know what I mean? Okay. And, uh, and I think sometimes like we miss that in Christian culture. And I feel like the, the response is, oh, you're not being gracious. <laughs> You're not being loving. You're not being kind. And uh, I, I, I think, like, it's because we care about people like these celebrity pastors, like all these pastors that we've named. It's because we care about the church. It's because we, we care about. That's it right there. Like, you know, like, why are we spending our time talking yeah. about people we don't really follow, we don't really believe in? Why are we, like, taking, taking the time out to, like, call these people out? Is it just like, oh, because, like, a lot of times, like, I'll see, like, oh, you, they're just hating on them. If you could be in their position, like you would, you would give up everything to what you believe right now to to, to do what they're doing, um, and I, I think, man, my motivation and our heart is how this is affecting like the world's perception of us. Yeah. So just recently, for example, like Mike Todd went viral for like spitting, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like this is the second time he's done this. But anyways. <laughs> We love you, like, Mike Todd. Come oh, on, shaking yeah. the culture, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's gonna come out to, in the in the middle of a COVID era, right? Like um, to to spit and rub spit all over his hands, and then that clip taken by not just like church mm. like people who like yeah. are within the church, yeah. but it's like man, it went viral. Like for those mm. even outside, oh, church pastor does this, and it is messed up because they always take like the worst version, mm. the most theologically mm. off like weirdest guy ever and make him our leader like you know what i mean like this guy is a representation <laughs> this of the is what church. y'all believe in You're right like this, this is what y'all subscribe this, this to what y'all follow like and it's like bro like you're you're making us look bad yeah. and like in, in the midst of a generation of like droves of people leaving the church yeah. um, people deconstructing to add to that to add moral like um ambiguity like your moral failures to to add to that like um like weird illustrations to add to that like things that are contrary and taking away from the attention of jesus when people need it the most right it hurts because of the people not necessarily the pastor like right. like i'm not worried about them i'm worried about the people that they're leading mm. and the people that are calling him pastor yeah that aren't even in, in this church yeah you know? yeah transformation nation yeah yeah and and to be honest something i want to say about mike todd which i think makes him different than a lot of celebrity pastors he owned it mm. He like actually apologized. I think that was the most powerful. I've never seen a celebrity pastor get criticized for something and then they say, you know what? You're right. That was foul. It, I shouldn't have done that, you know? Yeah. And even what I was saying earlier about like why I have so much grace for the guys, like in a lot of ways he didn't ask for this. 
didn't even ask to be a pastor. He was trying to be a producer. He was trying <laughs> yeah. to go into the music industry. But God just had gifted him and anointed him and called him opportunity, opportunity yeah. right? And then, like, on top of that, like, it wasn't even a clip that they posted. It was a random person who's just watching online that went viral. Yeah. And then now he's like, he's got this pressure. And now I remember he actually said on the breakfast club, success is trauma. Like out of nowhere, your life changes and now you're readjusting and things of that nature. <coughs> and so like, I want to be like gracious towards him and everybody else, but it is to say that, and that doesn't mean like what we've been saying, you don't challenge. Mm. And I feel like you're right, bro. Like if Christianity was a stock, <laughs> that joint would have tanked two years ago. <laughs> And no signs of it coming back up. <laughs> no signs of it correcting itself. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just down there. And it's because I think the world is genuinely watching. Like, why does, was it TMZ who reported the spit? Everybody. Bro, Charlemagne yeah. went on his Brilliant Idiot podcast and spent an hour talking about that situation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the world is watching and we're presenting a gospel that just... It's goofy. Yeah. We're presenting maybe not even just a theology, a culture. I saw this tweet. I got to actually read this tweet. But like culture is important. It doesn't even matter what we believe. If the culture that we're a part of does not support, does not back up what we believe, we are wasting our time. I got to get this right because this is, he said this, Ray Ortland, Pastor Ray Ortland said this, a church can unsay by its culture what it says by its doctrine mm. a good. church can unsay by its culture what it says by its doctrine mm. and i and i feel like that's so true like it doesn't even matter what we believe it doesn't even matter what we're about it doesn't even matter what we preach it doesn't even matter what we're communicating the culture that we're building in america dog is not helpful and we are perpetuating a world view that is hurting our witness and we're talking about the difference between, again, because we're not against megachurches. Yeah. You go to China, they got megachurches. But what's the difference between China and America? Power. American Christian, this is, we're getting to the crux of it now. Yeah. When you've got the power that you have in American Christianity, you essentially are not, you're not at liberty or you're not able to, or you're not, man, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word. It won't cost you anything in, to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. In China, <laughs> you know how their churches are blowing up? It's not Instagram. It's not by bringing out Lecrae. It's not by bringing out Mike Todd. It's word of mouth. They're not manufacturing. Why? They, they can't afford to manufacture that. They're literally a persecuted church. They're undercover. But the, the difference in China is... There is an authentic move of God and it's causing them to change. And it's like, yo, you got to like discipleship is happening. People aren't getting invited to church. What you're talking about, was it Turkey? What was that nation where people are accepting Christ by the droves and they just, Iran, Iran, yeah. and they're just seeing Jesus in their dreams, stuff like yeah. that. But here in America, like it's just so hard because the culture is tied. Like we, we never do well when we have power, we never do well when we have the authority that we have. That's true. Even Jesus, bro, like he didn't come in trying to overthrow Rome. He didn't come in trying to overthrow the, it was grassroots. His, he changed the world without ever 
being buddy buddy with the politician. He changed the world without him. ever, yeah, without ever having. It's the government that killed him. Yeah, we over here making deals with politicians. <laughs> We're over here condone or not condoning, but like uh, uh, supporting politicians. We're over here uh, in meetings with politicians. Oh, one We're one thing here. that was like that hit me. Uh, you know, a lot of times, like you know, Christians will be like, "Man, I vote Republican because of a single issue." For example, like abortion. Right? Yeah. Abortion is not a new a new challenge, a new a new thing. Um, but it's interesting what the early church did versus like what the church now is doing mm. in the early church, like the Roman civilization, like if they didn't want a child, they would just leave out the child outside and like whatever wolves or dogs would come and like kill that, kill that child. Yeah. That was their version of abortion. Yeah. So what the Christians were doing were going out at night yeah. looking for any children that they can come and rescue. They were yeah. opening up orphanages and becoming a solution. Now the yeah, church, yeah. rather than man, yeah. like, yeah. Yo, like how can we help the mothers? How can we help <sighs> these children? We're like, yo, let's let's buddy up with Rome, get get Caesar on our side, yeah. and then we'll ch- end abortion that way, yeah, right? Yeah, and like, and and I think Golly. the version of like Golly. top down versus bottom under. Jesus's kingdom yes. is an upside down kingdom. Yes. It works from. The small things to the large things. Yes. And like true transformation and true impact yes. comes. I think the devil won when, um, who was the, the, the Roman emperor that like changed to Christianity? Constantine. Constantine. Fourth century, yeah. The devil won yeah. when he became the emperor yeah. because now yeah. he's trying to rule and yeah. regulate and not all Christians are on top now yeah. and everybody started getting comfortable. And you know what's crazy? To ki- First of all, I want to say on the whole abortion thing, Christians think that they're doing something for abortion because they voted Republican. <laughs> the same people that vote Republican are not doing anything on the ground to help women that are considering it's abortion. It's the easy way out. It's the easy way out. Yeah. And to your point, in the fourth century, bro, this is something I've been learning recently in the last few months. The moment where Constantine made the nation Christian, Christians said, Peace. They left. That's where you get the, the monks and the desert mothers and fathers. <laughs> They're like, We're not going to buddy buddy with it. it. It doesn't go well for us. When Christianity and they knew that at they, that time they knew that wow. and they just knew like it's getting conflated, things are getting watered down, diluted, and so to preserve the faith, I have to remove myself from this culture. Mm. Christians didn't remove themselves from culture until the culture embraced Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that for a second, and I feel like we're over here thinking we're good because America accepts Christianity. That might be our demise. That that might be the reason why we see the the struggle that we see. We're too comfortable. And part of me is excited that I feel bad for saying this, but like <laughs> excited that like Christianity is no longer like the religion of America. Like we're we're like now in a post Christian. Some people era. wouldn't say that, but I think so too. Yeah, it, they wouldn't agree that Christianity because of the South. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm with you though. I think that 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 that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. and I'm excited that like. It's not mainstream anymore. It's not like yeah. this popular thing to do and just the good thing to go. I want like I want people to not be familiar with Christianity yeah. so that they can actually embrace Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're right. Nowadays, when you say you're a Christian, it's like, oof. I hate when people ask me, so what do you do for work? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was in Turkey. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a microbiologist. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one taking the easy way out, <laughs> Republican. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. So much to be said there, but I just really feel like it's not just the celebrity pastors. We'll end on this note. One more thing. Um, yeah, it's not just celebrity pastors. I think the culture is harmful. I think we're 
you know, we're creating a culture where we want, we want to be consumers and not just, and not contributors. Um, we're okay with charisma over character. Mm. Um, what is the difference? Like if we could answer that, like on the final note, like a celebrity pastor versus a pastor who has influence. That's where I was going. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly where I was going because there are pastors that are mad influential Mm -hmm. that mind their business, drink their water, drink their water. (laughs) It's a, you're not on social media uh, like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, never mind. Um, drink their water, mind their business. Uh, been faithful for years, for 40, 50 years. No scandal attached to their name. Um, and I think the difference, There's, I think there are many differences, but one of the differences is accountability. Mm. I think like, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give this, there's a pastor that I know of who's like well-known. I don't want to name drop because I don't want to put people's business out there, but this pastor, um, the elders in the church have access to his bank account. They know how much money he spends. When he goes out and does conferences, he doesn't just pocket that and say, oh, this is, you know, he goes back and submits it to the others and say, and says, how much do you think I should keep from this? Wow. Do I give, and whatever they say, give it back to the church. He doesn't make a dime off of his books. He brings it, he puts it back to the church. Um, unless the church says you can earn X amount of dollars from the book. Um, Next, th- next week's podcast is going to be, is this healthy? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would do something like that. <laughs> but I think it's just a form of accountability. Yeah, yeah. They have access not just as a bank account, his emails, his phone. Okay. Um, nothing to hide. Th- and it's not everybody. It's just one or two people. Oh, okay, but they're okay. elders in the okay. community. But it's just <clears> that. <throat> like, he doesn't travel alone ever. Every time he travels, he's traveling with someone else. And I feel like, and even, and, and that's the thing, bro, like, and this is something I'm learning. Sometimes those extreme measures is what really keeps you. Mm. Like, I, I don't know if I'll ever adopt those extreme measures, if I'm being completely honest, but, and I don't know if you need to go that extreme, but I understand the heart. There's just this commitment to, to recognize that the heart is deceitful and that I can't trust myself. Mm. There's something about understand influential people understand that my heart is going to get to a place where it's going to think I had something to do with this. That's good. It, there comes a point where influ- influential pastors understand that I will think that I can do no wrong. There's going to come a point in time where influential pastors understand that I am going to be tempted to think that nobody can challenge me. <laughs> Nobody's coming out to see these guys. They're coming out to see me. There comes a point where I think influential pastors, faithful pastors understand that the, the weight of the responsibility that God has given me will crush me if I don't have people walking with me. And I think that there's like with influential pastors, just this intentionality to get out of the way, to show up and operate in their gift, to show up and operate in what God has graced in them, graced them with, to show up and operate in the purpose that God has given them, but then understand that anything above this is not for me to take on because man cannot handle the weight of 
praise. Man will be crushed by idolatry. Mm. And so they do everything they can to not be a celebrity. They do everything they can to not be worshiped because they understand that if I take this in, I will become someone that will ruin me altogether. Mm. Whereas celebrity pastors, and I, and I could be wrong, man, this is just us shooting the breeze, just us talking. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I think with celebrity pastors, they lean into that. They lean into the influence. They the whispers, the they, lies, the, the deceit. Yeah. They lean into the, man, look what I built. Look what I did. Look at what I accomplished. The first temptation. The first. <laughs> like, you know, the Lucifer, he saw himself and he was like, man, yeah. he saw his role and he was like, man, look, look at my gift. Look what I'm offering. Mm. I deserve some yeah. of this as well. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of faithful pastors who God has given influence, it's through God and not manufactured. Yeah. A lot of times, like, you know, the Mark Driscoll, one of the things that they were talking about during in the, in the episode was... Not necessarily, like, not the accountability, but he blew up when social media was blowing up. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he was one of the first pastors to utilize YouTube yeah. and, you know, podcasts, podcasts yeah. and getting his sermons out to a larger audience. Yeah. And, I, and I think he was not able to grow authentically. Mm. It was like, you know, like the whole, like, love builds up, mm. knowledge puffs up. Mm. And like, I that read a book a day. Yeah. <laughs> that, that pride yeah. beginning to puff you up puff you up, puff you up, and like, man, if you're not built on love, not, if you're not built on knowing and understanding your role, and the weight of like, the responsibility that you carry, yeah. like, Jesus like, wasn't easy on the teachers, he yeah. said, man, if any one of you, yeah. like, if you desire to be a teacher, if you desire to be a pastor, that's a great thing, that's yeah. a noble thing, but just know that you'll be judged to a different standard, yeah. if you cause even one of the, these little ones to stumble, yeah. It is better if a millstone were tied around your neck yeah. and you were thrown into the to the lake, right? Yeah. Like this this weight of I'm accountable before yeah. God yeah. for not just the the number of the, the church that I had, but every single thing, word, action, mm. thought. Mm. Like when I stand before God, God isn't gonna be like, Well done, good and faithful servant. You reached ten thousand followers on Twitter. Right. It's man, what what did you do right. with every single thing right. and opportunity that right. I gave you? Um, and so, good, un, like, I think a faithful pastor, an influential pastor, like, has to maintain that always in view, a sober mind of himself, mm. thinking of himself soberly, like, mm. man, this, like, uh, Matt Chandler, like, I don't know, like, when I see him, he, he talks about his influence, he talks about how rapidly the church grew up, and, and he's just like, I don't know how this happened, yeah. like, this, like, people, if people were to ask him, like, yo, how did your church blow, like, we, we don't know what happened, yeah, we don't know how it got to this. Yeah. Um, we're, we're just trying to manage and to be faithful with what God has given. Yeah. But the influence, like, it's not like, but like celebrity pastors, like, they blow up and they have a method. Like, yeah, this is what I did. This is how it happened. This is how I hooked it up. Like, there isn't a humility of like, this is all God. I don't even know how we got here. I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. seriously. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think like that's the, like, you know, to be honest, like, I think what it looks like to stay humble is to purposely and intentionally surround yourself with people that are unimpressed with you. Like I, I, I understand like Mark, like, you know, I can understand why he was feeling himself. He only surrounded himself with yes men 
and surrounded himself with people that were hired to do what he said. You know, the church he like planted with, there was like three other men. He fired them. Yeah. The moment they challenged them, the moment they, <laughs> yeah. it's like, who are you to tell me? Right. Yeah. But like, again, that's what you're saying. If you do not have a sober mindset, you will fall into deceit mm. and that deceit will be your demise. Yeah. Like even for me, bro, like I don't, I don't even have a sliver of the influence that those guys have just doing a good job on Sunday, <laughs> just having a podcast that does well. You hear these little whispers. Oh, you the man. Like, <laughs> Oh, you did that. You know, like, wow, we killed that. Like that was, and that's like, nah, man, let me talk to Yosef real quick. He'll tell me what I need to work. on. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me humble myself. That way. And it's not to tear myself. We're not, we're not saying surround yourself with people that tear, tear you down saying surround yourself with people that will be honest with who you are and, and that you'll be honest with and then if be you're honest. honest with them like you just in that moment of vulnerability with that person yeah reminds you that you're just a man yeah. you're not that that special you're not yeah. that great yeah. yeah yeah and it's 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 uh i'm very fearful of the lie like like you said in the beginning nobody starts off this way like nobody starts off thinking let me crash and burn the ministry yeah. let me crash and burn my reputation and i think that's why we got to be mindful day in and day out to constantly and and be persistent at god help me help me see the work that you've given me as work and not identity mm. help me see the work that you've entrusted me with as a responsibility and not an identity builder god help me see the work that you've given me as something that will serve you and not something that will build my platform build my name exactly. it's like this constant coming back to god help me um and this is not and i don't think this is just for pastors it's for artists it's for doctors it's for engineers Any, anything. anything like it's so easy to get wrapped up tim keller always says if you put your identity in your work um, you, you'll let failure get to your heart and you'll let success get to your mind. But when you understand that work isn't an identity builder, it's a response to the gospel, mm -hmm. you will be close to Jesus. <laughs> you will stay close to Jesus and you will, from the right place, serve and love him well. And so that, that's one of the thoughts I have. Did you have any other thoughts as as far as differentiating between what a celebrity pastor and an influential pastor is? No, I think uh, you hit it right there. Like it's, it's the heart. It's the, the yeah. posture and the how they view and identify their work and their ministry. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it's something that, like, is a challenge for me. Like, you know, like, whether I killed it, whether, like, people are affirming me and just, yo, you did a great job. Someone Salim is always having to remind me, like, yo, it's not you. <laughs> you know, you're not presenting yourself you're not marketing yourself but there is always like that pride yeah. and so man you don't need to have many followers to be a celebrity pastor like it's a hard issue it's a hard issue and so you got man, a lot of celebrity pastors with 100 <laughs> followers on this we, we got a lot of celebrity pastors here at Paris. <laughs> 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 uh, but really it's a constant like man humbling yourself and saying god like i just want to be faithful I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this responsibility that you've given me and whether people criticize me or compliment me, God, um, let it be for your glory. Right. And not just with words, but 
it, you carry yourself different yeah. when you believe that. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a that's a fight. It's yeah. always a fight. Yeah, it's real. So good, man. Yeah, so much more to unpack. <laughs> See y'all next season, <laughs> <laughs> season six. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank okay. you for sharing your wisdom. Always. Thank you for sharing your insights. Um, I hope like, you know, we, we got it. And I just hope that people understand that we're not trying to knock people out or try to knock people off or try to knock people down. <laughs> like, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> we, we really, we care about the church. We care about the bride. We care about the direction of the church in America. And we just got some concerns and, you know, the name dropping was, it is what it is because they represent. Yeah, they represent the culture. Uh, nobody's looking at us <laughs> to represent Christianity. We don't. We just don't have that influence. And so, part of our calling out is a form of love. And part of our calling out is like, yo, we're better than this. We should be better than this. Um, and like Joseph said, sometimes it's not even just about. For it's not just for Christians. This is like a world is watching, and our witness is being heard, and um, our witness, sorry, our witness is being hurt by all of this. And so. Um, and even for me, man, I want to guard my heart against, uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I remember I texted you this a couple of days ago, but I was like, maybe I should even quit shaping the culture podcast. Um, cause I was like, do I even want a platform? Do I even want like influence? Like I really what thought about it. I want to do it because like, I, I think for me, you know, I mean, obvious success with podcasting is numbers you know obvious you know did you feel like you would have to like sell out in order to like not sell out i'd be to. afraid of who i might become if i do become successful like i'm afraid of what it could become for me um and i and i, I try to put people in my life that will help me steer away from those kind of thoughts or feelings i try to constantly you know i want to continually be connected to and plugged into my local church. I want to always serve others. I think s serving others is an antidote against pride or what have you. Yeah. Um, but it just, it's just like, man, like I, what's the point? Like, am I contributing to the problem by building a platform? <laughs> but I don't I, think the platform is the problem. It's the person yeah. on the platform. <laughs> and that's what I'm kind of coming <laughs> to. Like, and that's why I'm still at peace with continuing the podcast is because we, we need a platform. It's like uh, the problem is never with, like you said, the platform is with the person. If, if I have a knife, I could either make it a, a delicious dinner or I can essentially hurt someone with it. Yeah the result is going to be based on my heart, but there's the knife in and of itself isn't going to hurt someone or cook dinner. It's who has the knife in hand that determines that. Exactly. And I, and I've got to like, I've got to be confident that I just want to make sure that I continually keep my head down because like, you know, people like Mike Todd didn't ask for this. And I just want to make sure that I steward this well, you know? And uh, I mean, who's I mean, it's not to say that I don't know if shaping the culture is going to blow up, but if it, if it does, I just want to make sure that I'm contributing to the solution and not the problem yeah. and represent Christ in a way that would glorify him and edify the, the body, you know, edify the church. And so, and y'all can pray for us for that too. For those who are listening, tuning in, y'all can pray for that. That would mean a whole lot um, because, um, you know, I really did start this podcast 
to help whoever would tune in, you know, to serve, you know, to take my five loaves of bread and two fish and let God do what he does best with it. You know, I don't, I didn't know where this would go. I didn't know how many people would reach, but I want to, I want to be at a place where I remember constantly that this is not about paying my bills. This is not about getting my name out there. This is about taking the information that the Lord has entrusted me with and being faithful with communicating it to people that would listen and, and be transformed by it. So I think we need your voice out there, bro. So <laughs> don't don't ever stop because appreciate that. In the midst of all the lies, we need like beacons of truth and we need what, what you have to bring and we need uh what you bring to the table, bro. Yeah. And so appreciate that. Uh Whoever's listening, whoever like ever tunes in into the future, again, it's about just being faithful yeah. and doing the work of the ministry. Like, yeah. This is your ministry. Yeah. Like sometimes it's hard. Like when you were talking about the qualifications of celebrity pastors, like charisma, leadership, CEO, like skills or whatever. Sometimes like that, like, oh man, like I don't have that personality. I'm not a naturally charismatic guy. Yeah. And there's been many times where like it would discourage me from like, yo, like I don't know if I'm called to pastor, like, you know, mm. to, to, to be a pastor. Um, but God isn't calling me to be the next Mike Todd. Mm. God isn't calling you to be the next Joe Rogan. It's like, yo, I have something new mm. for you. And, and I, and like, just keep being faithful in what you know best to serve me and to serve the world. And you will never go wrong. Yeah. It's a word. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> God bless you guys. God bless y'all until next time, family. Peace. Peace.